You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Welcome back, and thanks again for joining us here at Grab Them By The Pod on this very special Independence Day edition of our podcast. Now, today is maybe your favorite day of the year. Is this your favorite holiday? It is my favorite holiday. I feel very patriotic, very American. I love the 4th of July. It's America's birthday. Are you wearing a very special shirt today? I know you wore one. uh, You had a 4th of July party a few days earlier, and it said party like a patriot. What are you wearing today? Uh, I've got a, a shirt today with a number one finger with the American flag background and 76 on it. Awesome. You know, it's nice to know that we complain about the current state of things going on in this country, but regardless of what's going on, we still love the country. We love its history for good and bad and everything that made us uh, who we are today. Uh, a country is more than a presidency or an administration. Am I right? That is true, absolutely true. And you mentioned that I throw America a birthday party every year. And this year it actually coincided with what should be America's actual birthday, July 2nd. It was on July 2nd, 1776, that the members of the Continental Congress voted to break away from British rule. And it wasn't until a few days later that the document could be printed. Of course, we all know that document as the Declaration of Independence with July 4th right in the heading. Uh, But July 2nd, also an important date in our country's history as well. So you can come to this podcast, not necessarily just learn something about politics, but learn something about history, too, although that is your background well. I am happy to be doing this podcast on today, America's birthday, the 4th of July, especially because we weren't around last week, uh, and, we, and we may not be around next week either. We have some vacations going on. It is summertime, and some of us have a little more time than others to go traveling. Well, seeing as how you know that hashtag teacher life, being a teacher, I get my summers off. This is when we do our traveling. So it's all my fault. Jesse will have you know. It's it's my fault that my wife and my children and I like to take a little time and go experience some, some of the finer things in life. And you will be going to uh, – you're going to Florida, but you're going to be spending some time in, in Colonial Williamsburg. Is that right? We're go- Yeah, we're going to stop there on the way back. You know, I, I went there once when I was in the eighth grade and – you know, I don't think I really appreciated it then, and so it's it's on the way to and from, so we're, we're going to stop there on the way back after spending some time with family down in Florida. So even more history coming at us, so maybe we'll talk a little bit about that when you get back. Uh, what we do have to talk about, though, are some things that happened over the last couple of weeks. You know, it, it's it's never a dull moment in this administration. One of the biggest things that's ongoing is health care. Last week, we finally got the CBO report for the Senate's version of the health care reform bill, which they have dubbed the Better Care Reconciliation Act of 2017. To nobody's surprise, it's still horrible. 22 million people, according to this, will be uninsured, although the first House bill had 24 million uninsured. The second version had 23 million uninsured. So we're making baby steps, and maybe if we have 22 uh, more versions of this bill, we'll get someplace where we're all going to be covered. Better Care Reconciliation Act. I don't know if that's a misnomer or not. You know, Is it better care? I, I don't think so. Not with the numbers that the CBO report score shows. It's better. We're just not saying how much better it is. Although it certainly isn't better for the estimated 200,000, a little more, I think it's like 208,000, we'll say it, more than 200,000 people who unnecessarily die because their health care is either going to be worse or non-existent because of this. Oh, and- right, hold on, hold on. Don't you remember? Representative Raul <laughs> Labrador said nobody dies because that they don't have access to health care. And the president did say anybody who wants it can have it, although I guess he's not lying. If you want it, you can have it. 
if you can afford it, that's uh, – you always have to read the fine print when it comes to some of these people. Uh, you look at this, and it makes sense that the president is so sure that the that Medicaid is going to be going up more money towards Medicaid. But if you look at I – mean, just go to the CBO webpage, click on it. Right there, there's a graph on the front page that summarizes everything saying Medicaid is going to be cut by $772 billion. But by the way, uh, they're going to repeal the taxes, and that's going to end up costing – taxes on the very wealthy, I should add – um, going to be another $541 billion. Yes, when all is said and done, we're going to reduce the deficit by $321 billion, and that's great, except for it's easy to reduce the deficit when you take away the money that's going towards health care for people who can't afford it or people who need it. So, yeah, we're throwing these people in the trash and saving money while doing it. Sounds like a wonderful plan for America. Well, you see, it's very easy for our members of Congress to pass a bill, even with these numbers, because for them, they live off of taxpayer-funded health care that is very good. This doesn't affect them in the slightest. You know, to me, it just it, – it's a terrible thing. It, it's not just you, Kevin. It's the American people look at this. They don't like it. Uh, the CBO doesn't like it. The fake news media doesn't like it. We don't like it. Members of the Republican caucus even don't like it, but it doesn't matter because this isn't a health care bill. We've said this over and over again. Many people have said this. It's a tax bill masquerading as a health care bill. And not even the president understands that, which is so scary. It's come out uh, that some people just don't understand what's going on with this bill. Trump doesn't believe it, though. He tweeted out last week that some of the fake news media like to say that I am not engaged in health care. Wrong. I know the subjects well and want victory for the U.S. Well, his own party doesn't even believe that. Uh, there were reports that a GOP senator is under the impression that Trump doesn't know what the hell's going on. An aide actually said that Trump seemed confused uh, when a moderate Republican said that those who are against this bill said it's, uh, it's just a massive tax break for the wealthy. Trump just gave him that that weird doodle look that, huh, I don't know what's going on. And it, it's, it's really just sad that the president can't admit that. You know, I don't know. Well, he says he knows healthcare, the subject very well, and he wants victory for the U.S. What does he mean, victory? He's not. He's not still campaigning. Everything is black and white that. with him. It's it's we win or we lose. You know, it's not like we're gonna do this that's best for our country. No, we're gonna win. We're gonna be the best. Rah rah rah. Go America. Yeah, I don't know. No, I, I tend to disagree with that. And just he, you know, he doubles down on this stuff. Uh, he later tweeted that you know, if Republican senators are unable to pass what they're working on now, this should just immediately repeal and just replace at a later date. Yeah, that's great. Get rid of it and have nothing replaced. You know, as bad as this is, something is better than nothing. Uh, if you don't have a uh, plan to put in, uh, in place, you don't repeal and just hope for the best because that's definitely going to be screwing people over. You cannot say that you are for the people, that you are truly representing your constituents by wanting to pass – a better bill by wanting to replace Obamacare by throwing it out entirely and leaving them with nothing, especially with the numbers that we are seeing that of people who will be affected. Kevin, that is not good governance. It's not about getting a bill that's good for the American people. It's for saying, ha ha, I got rid of Obama's signature piece of legislation. I repealed something else from Obama. Obama sucks. He's not even American, blah, blah, blah. That's exactly what it is. We've said it before, and I will say it again, that this is not about a health care bill. This is not even about a tax bill. It's about removing the previous president and his accomplishments from history for petty political gain. And don't be petty. That's no good for anybody. This CBO score came out on my birthday, by the way, on June 26th. That was Happy a belated birthday, by the well, way. Thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate that. Uh, that was a Monday. 
So people had a few days to kind of go through this. And the goal was to get this vote in by the 4th of July recess. Now, obviously, it's the 4th of July today. The bill did not get voted on, and that's partially because the Republican senators couldn't come together on this. We had Republican Senator Dean Heller of Nevada. He was publicly out about this, and he's actually said some things that if he goes against what he said – I mean I can see the attack ads now from the Democrat or the independents running against him. Uh, And – these people eat their young. They, it's they, they. God forbid, they just uh, work together. Republicans uh, who are part of a pro-Trump group started writing, uh, started uh, running ads against Heller until someone was saying, "Hey, cut it out. He has an election this year. That's not going to be good for him." You have people like Shelley Moore Capito, senator from West Virginia, who should be against it because this bill kills Medicaid and 29 percent of people in West Virginia are on Medicaid. It kills well, funding to the opioid crisis. Sorry, Kevin, go ahead. To speak to that. Okay. According to John Deskins, Simon Hader, and Clay Marsh, these are professors at West Virginia University, experts in their fields, that this will affect West Virginia's most vulnerable pop, uh, populace because this dire prediction is made based off of the fact that more than half of the state's population relies on Medicare, Medicaid, and the CHIP program. Mm-hmm. Okay. All of these government-funded healthcare programs is going to take it away from more than half of the people of West Virginia. And of course, if we look at the election results, West Virginia went for Donald Trump. I spent some time in West Virginia shortly after the election last year, and the people down there were giddy. They were cackling that Hillary had lost. I'm not trying to make them sound evil. I'm just saying how excited they were that Trump won and that he was going to make America great again, yada, yada, yada. But the things we see over and over and over when it comes to Trump's policies, that it hurts the states that voted for him most of all. Uh, When you're cutting funding or you're not going to have funding for this opioid crisis that's just running rampant through Appalachia right now, yeah, it's going to be an even bigger mess than it is right now. It's just, it's really sad. I mean, Trump, I don't, I won't say he's being smart about this, but the, a lot of these things, these cuts, uh, these delays, they're to 2020 or beyond so that he'll be gone. Uh, it's, it's not my fault or it's too late to vote for him again or, or not vote for him again. Uh, and by that time, he'll just say it's fake news. He didn't do it. Whoever the next president did it. Right. So much of this, again, is just for political gain. We've talked about it. And we will continue to talk about it, that that too much of all of these policies are for political gain. They're not really what's for the good of the people. Then you also have people, by the way, who think this doesn't go far enough. People like our good old friend Ted Cruz, who remember President Trump said his father was involved in the assassination of Kennedy and that his wife was crazy and ugly. Uh, we have Mike Lee from Utah. They don't think it goes far enough. So uh, they want to they want to keep pushing for it even to be stricter. So McConnell's going back to the drawing board. They're going to figure out what the heck they can do, submit it for another CBO score. Who knows if they'll actually wait for that CBO score before they try to vote on it. Uh, I just fear the Senate's going to do some funky things that are legal but um, not really proper or, or how I want to see Congress or work or the Senate work. Uh, they're going to limit debate, limit amendments because theoretically one of the one of the views you can do is just submit like 40,000 <laughs> amendments and then it's 10 minutes per amendment. It just goes on and on forever. It takes, it takes a while. And remember, during uh, the ACA, uh, there were several Republican amendments that were adopted. There were a bunch of uh, amendments in general. So it, it's not like, you know, yes, they can do it as a delayed tactic, but it also is part of the process. Uh, they have tricks that can get around these rules, and I fear they're just going to knock it down and uh, get the thing passed no matter what it takes. And in an attempt to be down the middle and to not show bias, it's important to point out that the Democrats have used these tactics as well mm-hmm. when they're in control of the Senate. This is just part of the way the game is played, uh, for better or worse. 
and it's bad when they do. It's bad if it happens now, uh, and it's always – I mean it's the same discussions every time just from the opposite side, and you know it's going to come bite you in the butt again. It, it always does, but sometimes I feel they have to do what they have to do. So the question is, is this eventually going to pass? I kind of fear that it will. Um, like I said, the Trump states are going to get hit the most. Uh, they're going to – but they're still going to vote for Trump again. Uh, it's I, – I think – they can get this passed, and then come November of next year, they have a what, a year and a half left to figure out reasons why they should still be voted back into office, and they'll figure out a way. It's a, The next 2018 election is uh, very slanted towards the red states, and unless something crazy happens, at least in the Senate side, um, I don't think that – I don't see that changing. I think the House very well could, but uh, – yeah. Well, it would seem to be that this is the reason why candidate Donald Trump – had said that he likes stupid people. He likes ignorant people because they can play to this. They can play to people's ignorance that they don't even realize that they're voting against themselves with the plans for policies that he had in place. He got people to vote for him knowing full well that some of the ideas for policy that he had would hurt these people, but he plays on their fears. He plays on their, you know, America first (laughs) mentality. And it's important to note that there is a difference between stupidity and ignorance. Now, if you're stupid, there's really nothing we can do for you. If you're ignorant, you just haven't learned the information yet. You're listening to our podcast. That's the first. That's the first step you can take. Um, or, or you're just you know wonderful and you're listening to our podcast either way. But um, if you're learning something new, or if you haven't yet, go out and find more information on it. Find the truth. Find the facts. And then when you realize this is not going to be good, if you live in a red state, contact your member of the Senate. Contact your member of Congress. Contact your governor. Contact everybody. Why not? And tell them this is not a good thing. And that you won't support them in the upcoming re-election because you may, may hate Obamacare, the ACA. Lots of people do, and there are some legitimate reasons why you may not like it. But Trump care is worse, and it's only going to be worse for you. It's going to be harder for you and your family. Don't focus on the bad, the bad parts of Obamacare. Focus on the good parts, and then go back and fix the bad parts rather than scrapping. We say we've said this five thousand times. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, and that's exactly what the Trump administration wants to do. And as Jesse mentioned, call your representation because there is nothing that a member of Congress or any elected official fears more than angry constituents. You know, we we see, for example, these angry town hall style meetings they've been hosting and and how members of Congress have wanted to cancel those because they are afraid of facing the consequences of what their votes mean for those people back in the districts. But all this tells us is that we need to come to the middle, that there's no time for partisan politicking in in a time and place like we are right now. You know, we need to find something that's for the good of the people. You can hate, as Jesse said, Obamacare, hate Trump care, but what we need to do is find something that shoots the middle that actually provides the most amount of benefit to the most amount of people. And remember that constituents, the people, the people who vote, that's the number one person they listen to, the number one people they listen to, the number of group of people, whatever the proper plural term is. The problem is most of the time, and that goes on both sides, that people aren't paying attention, that people aren't doing enough so they can just go with their party or do what they want. Make them listen to you. Make them take that first rung of importance, the people, and do what they want because it's your life. And uh, you guys – your life is in your own hands to a certain degree. You know, as a teacher of civics, I stress this to my students all the time. And and the one positive that I have seen from uh, Donald Trump's election and the first months of his presidency is that people are starting to stand up and take notice. Hopefully something good comes away from that. All right. From one depressing topic onto another, uh, back in May, Trump created what he calls the Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity. Call me crazy. 
I don't trust the president with names, partial social security numbers, addresses, birth dates, political affiliations, felony convictions, voting histories, yada, 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 uh, on people because I think he's going to use it for his own personal gain. And how sad is that that I don't trust the president with that information? But it's true. Well, you're not crazy and it's not sad at all because we are experiencing, you know, we're reliving history. You know, this is a creation of a political hit list. We've talked before about President Nixon and his political hit list. We've talked about uh, Senator McCarthy and the witch hunts. And, and for this president, who was often quoting witch hunts and McCarthyism, saying that people are going after him, well, what is this? <laughs> I have a list of names. Well, guess what? I'm not the only person that's crazy. We're not the only people that are crazy. Uh, the states feel exactly like we do. More than 20 states have declined to provide this information or, or part of the information, saying it's unnecessary. It violates privacy. I read yesterday, I was over your house, we were talking about uh, Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch. He said that this request was repugnant. It appears designed to intimidate voters and to indulge a president's fantasy that he won the popular vote and just repeating a false story over and over again doesn't make it true. Uh, in Louisiana, Secretary of State Tom Shedler uh, says, you know, you shouldn't be playing politics with Louisiana voter data. Uh, Delaware Elections Commissioner says some of this information is confidential and on and on and on. So when you have more than a third of the of the states saying we're not going to give you this information because we don't trust you and you don't need this information, it's just a bad sign for the White House. Well, our very own Secretary of State here in Connecticut, Denise Merrill, has kind of been back and forth on this. But as of yesterday, she came out and said that she's particularly troubled that the commission has made no mention at all of how it will protect those eligible for confidentiality under state law, such as those victims of domestic abuse or police officers. Um, you know, she actually calls the Russia meddling into our election a bigger threat and says, why aren't we doing more to investigate that as opposed to looking at whether or not the voter registries were accurate? We all know that the Trump White House is basically a sieve, water pouring right out of the bowl. Uh, sometimes it gives us information that's against Trump, which, you know, right or wrong, some of us like. But it's easy for this information to go out there. Don't, I mean, you, you talked about Nixon earlier. Can't you see uh, Trump just sitting there with a list of enemies? It's kind of, kind of, you don't watch Game of Thrones, but it reminds me of Arya. She just has an enemy list and repeats it over and over and over again, vowing to destroy them. And I, I see him doing that time after time because he's not – He's not interested in what's best for the country, as we say over and over again. He's interested in what makes him happy, what gets him further, and how he can destroy his enemies. Well, and what have his surrogates, and he himself said time and time again, of how he fights back. When someone hits him, he hits back harder. He's about retribution and vendetta. He's going after people who he feels have wronged him. And so I absolutely believe that he's got a, a list of people who politically uh, he doesn't align with that he would love to destroy, if you will. He's kind of a mashup. Of, you know, you've heard sticks and stones will break my bones, but words never hurt me. Uh, and then you, there's that famous line I think Sean Connery says in The Untouchables that they pull a knife, you pull a gun. Well, he's the kind of guy that uh, he hears bad words and he pulls a gun. You know, <laughs> he he goes well over the line of how we should react to things. We'll talk about that later on. So uh, and he then tweeted out that numerous states are refusing to give information to the very very distinguished. I don't know who's distinguished by in his own mind. Uh, vote, and I love how he. Can the very distinguished voter fraud panel, all capitals. What are he's, they trying to hide? He's showing his senior citizen nature of like not knowing how to use tweets and and yeah. how to, you know, everything's capitalized. Don't you know that that means you're yelling? 
President Trump. Yeah. I want to tell him, what are they trying to hide? They're trying to hide very important information from someone who at the very best is unhinged. <laughs> oh, well, good thing that we've, we feel so highly about the president because he's going to be go meeting with Vladimir Putin from Russia next week. Uh, or this week, actually, I think it is. I'm sorry. Uh, Trump will be meeting with him at the G uh, G20 summit. And you may have forgotten this, Kevin, so I'll give you a little refresher. Back in November, uh, Russia tried to hack our elections. And, uh, you know, it definitely affected the outcome through fake email accounts that are targeted towards people hacking the DNC emails. Think, so, I you know, I this, heard something about yeah, that. Yeah, you know, um, but I have good news for you. Reports are saying that Trump is going to confront Putin at this meeting and take a stand in their meddling. Just kidding. That's not going to happen. He's not even going to bring it up. He's a coward. Uh, he backs down from these situations. And we've seen it before where he has the opportunity to take a stand against someone or something like this situation and then doesn't because he's your classic schoolyard bully. It's easy to stand behind somebody and to call names and to throw mud. But then when it's you're faced directly with the problem, he doesn't do anything about it. And regardless of your political affiliation, do you think Obama, either Bush, Clinton, I mean, Reagan, who, if you had a deity in the Republican Party, would be Reagan, he, he, they, would destroy, they would go right after Russia and call them out and, and not let this happen again. But no, you know, Trump is just going to let it slide. Hey, you know what? Uh, we do bad things, too. You think we're innocent? And that's not the way to approach things. You don't give in. You, he's going to kiss the ring. We, we, we talk about how uh, Trump wants people to kiss his ring. Well, he's kissing Putin's ring, metaphorically speaking, at least. Yeah, it would seem that uh, Vladimir Putin is the puppet master of the, the current administration. You know, we, we don't know what they're going to talk about this meeting. Uh, H.R. McMaster said, you know, there's no specific agenda. They're going to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll talk about ISIS being bad. And he'll, he'll thank him for his fight against ISIS. Uh, the Kremlin actually said that Putin will demand the return of two diplomatic compounds that were seized by the U.S. Uh, foreign, advi foreign Affairs Advisor Yuri Ushakov, if I'm saying that correctly, said, you know, if you do that, it would free Russia from the need to take a retaliatory move. Retaliatory move? What? They tried – I didn't want to say they hacked our elections. They did hack our elections. They did affect, affect the outcome, and they're afraid that they're going to have to take a retaliatory move if we don't give them back these compounds. It's, it's insane. Right, but you know, with the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, that's a non-factor. He won fair and square. There was no meddling. Yeah. There's no report saying that they hacked into the presidential uh, voting machines. That's not what we're talking about when we say you affected the election. <sighs> but a major win this week for the opponents of the Trump administration that courts projected Trump's delay of an EPA bill, uh, uh, EPA rule. That, so for some reason, the Trump White House, they back the coal industry. Makes no sense. Um, they back... Uh, delaying an EPA rule that would limit methane pollution from oil and natural gas drilling. They're on the wrong side of history on a lot of these things. I mean, they're, everybody else is pro-Earth, them not so much. Now, science will prove or disprove many of the claims that President Trump and his team have made. It's, you can't dispute fact. No matter how much you try to spin it in the media, you can't disprove fact. Fact is proven. Science proves things. And, and this, again, is another example of that. I think even a lot of people out there who are not sold on global warming will probably say, you know what, though, shooting the stuff in the air is not the best best thing to do if you can find a better way to do it. 
Uh, it, it was actually mild stomping crowns, uh, D.C. The Court of Appeals in D.C. Uh, said that the EPA didn't meet the requirements for a 90-day stay uh, to stop the Obama administration's methane rule. Again, there we go. It's Obama's methane rule. Um, Got to stop it because Obama did it. And that's exactly it. As we already mentioned, it's erase him from history, not actually care about what's good for the country. I guess the guy in charge of the EPA, Scott Pruitt, can maybe sue himself, sue his own agency. That's what he's really good at. It's what he did before he became head of the EPA. I don't know. But, you know, they're still working to undo other Obama rules when it comes to the EPA. It's They're not going to stop to get it. It's basically just an F you to Obama, like we said. And it's uh, partially just a play to the industry because these are the guys who back the Trump administration. They want to take us back into the, uh, into the 80s and 90s when we should be looking towards the 2020s and what the next steps are in uh, – in all kinds of technology, especially when it concerns our pay- – uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, they keep talking about this, that a glacier the size of like Delaware is like going to break off, has, has broken off. Like that stuff's not good, man, and it's just going to keep happening as long as we keep delaying or opposing EPA regulations like this. Yes, yeah, setting us back 50 years under the guise of progress and power to the American people, I don't get it. I don't understand it. never will. But on to something more exciting, Jesse. Trump tweets. <laughs> Oh, boy, there was a time where this stuff would have come first, but I said, you know what? We have to focus on the important issues first. This stuff is crazy, and I guess you could say it's important, too. But, uh, you know, I want to end with a little a little sadness and levity altogether. So anybody, unless you've been sitting and living under a rock for the last couple of weeks, everybody's seen his tweets to Joe and Miko from Morning Joe. Um, he tweeted out that he heard poorly rated Morning Joe speaks badly of him. Uh, although he doesn't watch anymore. Uh, and how come low IQ and crazy Mika, along with Psycho Joe, came to Mar-a-Lago three nights in a row around Christmas Eve and insisted on joining me? She was bleeding badly from a facelift. I said no. This is just insane that a president is saying this. Um, you know, people are, are pointing out that he's that he's going after a woman again. And that, yeah, that's bad. But the fact that the president is doing this, again, people have said horrible things about Bush 43, about um, about Obama, and none of them fought back like this because it's not what a president does. He's obsessed with women and talking about blood coming out of some of their orifices. I don't get it. He, again, is acting like a child. And it, it leads us, we must question his mental acuity and stability. You know, he may say that, you know, other presidents have done things in the past, but like this, this is unheard of. This is unpresidential. It's unbecoming of a president. And he shows that his fitness for office is not there. Yeah, at the very best, it shows his temperament is horrible and that his decision-making skills are horrible because you shouldn't be doing this. This is the kind of thing where you have a warm glass of milk and go to sleep and wake up in the morning and maybe you're not quite as mad rather than tweeting this stuff out. You have Sarah Huckabee Sanders who yeah, – I know I, I try not to call names. But I, I find it to be just very vile after after these recent comments too that she just will stick up for these people. Um, I, I can't say anything about Spicy because he's been kind of MIA from TV over the last few weeks. But you know, she just points out that – that Trump is a fighter and this is what he elect, was elected for and he's fighting the fake news media. It, well, it's more like he's a fighter and, and he's doing that with a long southern drawl. You know, she and people of her ilk seem to forget that he's president. You can't say that he's fighting back at the media. The media is the media. He's the president. He's the leader of the free world. He's the head of this nation. He's above commenting on this kind of stuff. Right. It's the job of the media to be critical to be the watchful eye, the watchdog of democracy, as the book by Helen Thomas that I recently read is all about. Uh, 
that's their job to point out the faults and flaws of the president. And if the president can't take that, then maybe they shouldn't have that role. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Uh, and Republicans like Paul Ryan, Susan Collins, Senator from Maine have denounced it. But as you've heard repeated on different shows and different tweets that, yeah, these people just denounce his policies. But then they still support support his reelection campaign, will support uh, Trump care, support things like that. So saying that you think what he said is bad and then supporting him in every other way, that doesn't really mean anything. Talk is cheap. Show us your actions. Tell my kids that all the time. You know, your words don't mean anything if your actions don't back it up. You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? He didn't stop there with those tweets, by the way. He said he watched. He finally he went back and watched uh, low-rated Morning Joe for the first time in a long time. Fake news. He called me to stop a National Enquirer article. I said no. Bad show. Yeah. According to Joe and Mika, though, he basically – high-ranking officials from his administration came to them and basically asked him to kiss uh, Trump's ring. And if he did so, they would kill the National Enquirer story. So – it's basically it's that's blackmail, and it's not the first time we've heard this kind of stuff. Um, you can go find an interview with uh, Selma Hayek where she said Trump hit on her and asked her out, and she said no, and then he planted a story about her in the National Enquirer. So apparently, you know, he has some sway with the National Enquirer, which you know, talk about fake news. Right. What does that say <laughs> about the the state of our presidency right now? And you know, he just keeps going. And it gets worse. Crazy Joe Scarborough and dumb as a rock, Mika. It's not just dumb, not just low IQ. Dumb as a rock, Mika are not bad people. But their low-rated show is dominated by their NBC bosses. Too bad. And then after he got criticism by the way he uses Twitter, he said, My use of social media is not presidential. It's modern-day presidential. Make America great again. So he's saying the way that a modern-day president acts is like a buffoon, basically. Uh, apparently, he's he's defining himself, making himself the poster child for modern day presidency by acting infantile. He's really helping Obama's legacy, and he's helping whoever the next president is because it's going to look like night and day, and and just just fantastic when he, once he's gone, whether that be in three and a half years or God help us. Seven and a half years. So he hit MSNBC, went after the Scarborough show, and then he went after CNN because, you know, why, why, why stop there? And said, the fake and fraudulent news media is working hard to convince Republicans and others that I should not be using social media. But remember, I won 2016 election with interviews, speeches, and social media. Guess what? This isn't the election anymore. You said it earlier. I said, you're not running an election campaign anymore, though he is because he's already having campaigns out there to make more money for his next run. How exciting. But – you're president. You're not candidate Trump. Stop acting like you are. Well, it's all he has. That was the last time he knew what he was doing. Well, governing is hard. Getting I wouldn't even go that far, by the way. <laughs> True. But governing is hard, and he's realizing that. We see this all the time, whether it be in Congress or even at the local level, that being the op- the voice of opposition is so much easier than being in power and ruling. You see this with Republicans. You see this with the Democrats. It's much easier to have a, a voice against what's happening than to actually come up with solutions. Uh, he then he tr- he tries really hard to come up with these new hashtags. Most of them don't really catch on. But uh, instead of calling it fake news CNN, now he wants to call it the fraudulent news network, fraudulent news CNN. I other than his hardcore supporters, I haven't seen that really taking off anywhere. Most likely won't take off because I think a reasonable level-headed person can see through the nonsense. What did you think of that uh, gift that he? 
that he put out there that it's from when he was on I was WrestleMania or one of the WWF shows. And I think it was probably Vince McMahon, but they put CNN logo on top of Vince McMahon's face. And then he attacks it. Yeah. It's, it's so stupid. And by the way, the newest thing out on that is, and the Trump supporters are saying it's ridiculous that the guy who created that initially tweeted it, which then Trump took it from has also posted racist and anti-Semitic things. No surprise there. Right. And it's bad enough that the creator of it and the things that he has done, but again, back to whether or not he can behave presidentially, you know, why in the world is he retweeting that? Why is he standing behind that? Because it makes him feel like a big man on the inside. And by the way, no surprise, he's also been tweeting wonderful things about Fox News. He tweeted out uh, praise for Sean Steele on Fox News, thanking them for the nice words, you know, because they kiss his butt, which, you know, whatever. <laughs> um the final tweet I want to talk about, and you know, it's a separate. So yesterday, North Korea fired another missile. Uh, it was in the direction, I guess, of of Japan, and you know that's obviously not good. We've talked about North Korea on here in the past, and how Kim Jong Un has major issues, and that's something we have to be worried about. But he tweeted that North Korea just launched another missile. Does this guy have anything better to do with his life? Hard to believe that South Korea and Japan will put up with this much longer. Perhaps China will put a heavy will put a heavy move on North Korea and this not. That's once for all. So first of all, he's trying to decide uh, foreign policy for China, South Korea, South Korea, and Japan. But that's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on the first part of that. Uh, does this guy have anything better to do with his life? You know, Kim Jong Un is a psychopath. He starves his own people. He kills family members. You know, as much as I dislike Trump, you can't compare the two of them. And doing so is stupid and irresponsible. Except for in this case, with that quote. Does this guy have anything better to do with his life? How many times have we said that about Trump when it comes to his tweeting? It really is a case of Emperor's new clothes. He's clueless, and he doesn't even know what, what he's saying and how it reflects on him personally. Oh, that cabinet meeting. That's all that brings to mind. You know, like, oh, he's so great. You're so – I love you. Thank you for the you. opportunity to kiss your butt every day. But you know, more importantly, Jess, just this afternoon, the Washington Post uh, reported that this missile – that was launched from North Korea towards Japan was, according to American experts, a stage two intercontinental ballistic missile, which puts them that much closer to being able to actually hit the United States. So if he keeps talking, if he keeps being critical of Kim Jong-un and, and making this type of commentary, you know, what kind of danger or risk does he put our country in? He's the kind of guy who writes checks that is, or his mouth writes checks that you know the country can't can't cash, and it's it just really sad. By the way, I, I want to point out that I'm very proud of our president right now. He just tweeted out um, a happy Fourth of July uh, tweet, and he didn't say anything like happy Fourth of July even to the losers and the people who who didn't vote for me. So hey, you know what? You you didn't embarrass us on one tweet on the Fourth of July. Good for you, president. Yeah, getting ready to celebrate the Fourth of July with a. Big crowd at the White House. Happy Fourth to everyone. Our country will grow and prosper. Big crowd, kind of like the inauguration, right? Yeah, it, it's the biggest Fourth of July party ever. <laughs> All right, as we, as we come to wrap things up, Kevin, what do we have for Kevin's Corner this week? Well, Jesse, as this is the Fourth of July, our fabled Independence Day, perhaps we should take a moment to reflect on what it all represents. This day represents freedom, independence, and the ideals of democracy for all of the good and bad that it might bring. We may disagree with one another on what is best for us as a nation or how to move the country towards progress, but alas, we are still Americans. We still share this day that reminds us of our past, present, and future, of where we have come from 
and where we are about to go. Those of us that favor the policies of the president and the Republican leaders of Congress stand tall, salute the flag and say, God bless America. Those of us that feel at a loss under the current administration, raise your heads just as high, salute the flag and continue to push towards the changes that you wish to see. We are all Americans. We are all in this together. And on this sacred of all days, let's remember it is not your country or my country. It is our country for better or for worse, with liberty and justice for all. Well, it makes me feel good, almost as good, Kevin, as the rumor coming out that the uh, next Creed movie is going to have Creed against Ivan Drago's son, so we can see United States kick the butt of Russia just one more time. Oh, man, can't wait. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening to another episode and sticking with us. If we're not back next week, we'll be back soon after. Stick with us. It'll be worth the wait. You can go to our website at www.grabthembythepod.com. you find out the links to social media, to wherever you can find our our uh, podcast, whether it be iTunes or Stitcher or YouTube, and even our Patreon account where you can give us a buck or two or maybe even more and get some really fun prizes back. But until next time, it's been fun, Kevin. Thanks so much. Later. Later.